person of the Holy Spirit with us. Father, thank you because you said that the pestilence will not strike on the noonday. It says neither any arrow will come at you in the morning. Thank you because you've given your angels charge over us that we will not dash our foot against any stone. Thank you, Father, because the word of God says in Psalm 91, He said, with long life will I satisfy you and show unto you my salvation. But I thank you this morning because our hearts and minds are open to hear and receive the word of God with faith, meekness, and gladness. In Jesus' mighty name. Can we say amen, somebody? Wonderful. Can we put our episode of music? They are amazing. God bless you. Can we see them? Hallelujah. Francisca, when you were preaching, I, I, hope, I was thinking that you're not going to pass out very soon. <laughs> glory to God. Wonderful rendition. Hallelujah. All the glory belongs to you. All the glory belongs to you, oh God. Is that your testimony? Sing it, let me hear you sing. chapter 8. From the beginning of our series, we started to see that Jesus is better than the angels in chapter 1. Then we saw that Jesus is better than Moses. We saw that Moses is a servant. Jesus is the son. And we saw that Jesus is better than Joshua because Joshua could only take the children of Israel to the promised land but could not give them true rest. Only Jesus Christ gives true rest. Hallelujah. So Jesus Christ was better than the promised land. Praise God. And then we began to see how that Jesus Christ had a better priesthood. Jesus' priesthood is better than that of Aaron. We saw that the Aaronic priesthood had a problem. And Jesus had to be come from a different priesthood, which is the order of Melchizedek. Melchizedek was a man, the Bible says, he didn't have a genealogy, neither father or mother. The Bible says there was no beginning and there was no end. So telling us that Jesus' priesthood is not like men, because men do die, the Bible says. But Jesus, Jesus is alive, and the Bible says his priesthood is forever. Can you say amen? Imagine you have a position that they tell you that it's only death that can remove a man from that position. Do you understand? Use it a little. Imagine they tell you that it's only, there's, there's, a, there's a position, right? And they tell you that it is only by death. Hello, somebody. Well, look at me, look at me. Don't be distracted. They tell you that it's only by death that somebody can fill in. Now, in the Aaronic priesthood, people had to die to enter the new position. That's why the Bible says that there were men that do die. Are you seeing that? But in the priesthood of Jesus Christ, he lives forever. Hallelujah. So that means there will be no man, there will be nobody that will ever replace his position. Praise God. Hebrews chapter 8. Let's begin from there. Tell somebody we are making progress. 
say your neighbor was making progress. Alright, let's begin. It says, now, now, the, the thing I'm going to be sharing with you, listen very carefully, follow it very carefully, don't be distracted, don't sleep, don't meditate too long, listen to God's word. Because I'm telling you, your life is going to be transformed. Can you say amen? And in our church, we teach the scriptures. Is that okay? I didn't come here to tell you comedy, storybook, or um, what again? Or I didn't come to motivate you as we well. I came to teach you the scriptures. The Bible says that the scriptures are able to make you wise. Can you say amen? So when you, when, when you are listening to those scriptures, just receive it the way it is. Sometimes you may not even understand what I'm saying. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about that. Because the Spirit of God will give you understanding. Praise God. So what you do when you don't understand the scriptures, what you're supposed to do is that you go and look for the message and listen to it again. Do you understand? You listen to the word of God again, again, and again. And then if you have listened, you did not still understand, then it's time to ask questions. That's what the smart person does. You start asking questions. And you ask the right people. But you ask, you ask the wrong person the right question, they will give you the wrong answer. Are you following? So you ask, we won't read this, we'll do question and answer on the Sunday service so that if you have any Bible question, we can talk about it in the service. Praise God. He says, now this is the main point of these things we are saying. We have such a high priest who is seated at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in the heavens. Remember, I explained to you what the sitting is on the right hand. I told you that Jesus Christ is not like sitting on the right hand side of God. You know, some people, the, the picture they have in their mind is that Jesus is seated on the right side of God, right? But that's not the case. The Bible says we have such a high priest who is seated at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in the heavens. That means Jesus Christ is actually on the throne because Jesus is the right hand of God. That means he's the one in authority in God. Is that okay? Next verse, verse 2. Verse 2. A minister of a sanctuary and of a true tabernacle which the Lord erected and not man. The tabernacle that Jesus erected is not the one made with the hands of man. Like this building was made with the hands of man. But the tabernacle that God is building in our lives today was not made by man. Let me explain. When you are born again, right? When you are born from above, when you are a new man in Christ, your new reality is not by the hands of a man. It's by the hands of God. And we have become God's sanctuary and his true tabernacle. That means now God comes to live inside you. In the old covenant, God comes to live in the temple, in the tabernacle of Moses, in the temple. But today he lives in you. Can you say amen? And your tabernacle is not made with the hands of a man. It's made with the hands of God. Can you say amen? Verse 3. Let's go. For every high priest is appointed to offer both gifts and sacrifices. The responsibility of a priest is to offer gifts and sacrifices. Let me explain. Gifts in the sense of gifts like offerings, all types of offerings, right? Sacrifices, things like animals, things like prayer, they are all part of sacrifices. Are you following? So sacrifice can also be um, monetary form as well. That's the meaning of sacrifice of praise, sacrifice of worship, or anything that represents sacrifice is what the high priest does. He says, therefore, it is necessary that this one also have something to offer. He's saying that if we are going to call Jesus Christ a high priest, he must have something to offer because every high priest offers 
gifts and sacrifices. So what is this Jesus going to offer? Verse 4. Let's go. It says, for if we were on earth, he would not be a priest. Since there are priests who offer the gift according to the law. He's saying that if Jesus Christ was in the earth today, that means during the time of the old covenant, Jesus cannot be priest. Why? Because they were already priests. In fact, one time, they reported Jesus Christ to the high priest, Kephas, remember? When he was about to die. So they were priests already. So Jesus Christ cannot replace them because he is on the earth. He says, since there's a priest who offers the gift according to the law. So there are priests that offer according to the law. Next verse, verse 5. It says, who serves the copy and shadow of the heavenly things as Moses was divinely instructed when he was about to make the tabernacle. For he said, see that you make all things according to the pattern shown you on the mountain. So Moses made a copy and a shadow of heavenly things. Tell your neighbor, the Old Testament is a copy and a shadow of heavenly things. The Old Testament is not the true reality. It's a copy and a shadow. It's a shadow. Now, let me ask you a question. How many of you have, how many of you have, have seen your shadow before? Talk to me. Have you seen your shadow before? Is your shadow you? Is it you? Is, is your shadow your true reality? Uh-huh. So, a shadow is what then? Just a copy, a reflection of you, right? That is what the Old Testament is. That is what the Old Covenant is. It's the shadow of the real thing to come. And Moses was divinely instructed when he was about to make the tabernacle. Because God showed him a pattern. God was showing him a shadow. A shadow of something that's about to come. So everything that Moses did in the Old Testament was only but a shadow. That's what the Bible says. It says, who serves a copy and a shadow of the heavenly things. Next verse. Verse 6. It says, but now, oh man, crow under the body. It says, but now he has obtained a more excellent ministry. Jesus has a more excellent ministry. Next month, we're going to be talking about excellence. Hallelujah. It's going to be powerful. You know, let me tell you something. The Bible says that promotion comes from God, right? But it's not God that determines whether you get promoted or not. Some people sit down and say, when God wants to promote me, he'll promote me. No, sir. Promotion comes from God, but God is not a determining factor whether you are promoted or not promoted. Tell your neighbor, amen. He say amen to that. The next one we'll talk about that. Let's move on. He says, but now he has obtained a more excellent ministry in as much as he is also a mediator of a better covenant, which was established on better promises. Hallelujah. Every time you study the book of Hebrews, you see what's like better. You see what's like greater. You see what's like much more. You see what's like once for all. Hallelujah. Tell your neighbor, Jesus has a better covenant. Established on better promises. It doesn't matter the promise somebody has made to you. Jesus has established a better covenant on better promises. Verse 7. Verse 7. It says, for if now, listen very carefully. Remember, I told you something last week Sunday. Now I'm going to explain now. Now I see it very clearly. Now read verse 7, one to go. Next verse, verse 8. Read one to go. Stop there, stop there. Which covenant did God find fault with? Talk to me. What is the old covenant? The law of Moses. So, 
Who is the person that found fault with it? God said that he found fault. Says he found fault. There was a fault with the Ten Commandments. There was a fault with the 360 laws of Moses. God said there is a fault in it. What is the fault? We're going to see it. It says, beyond the days are coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. So God is saying that the old covenant has a problem. I told you last week Sunday that the old covenant, the Bible says, was useless. It says it was weak. And now he's saying that it's faulty. The old covenant is weak, useless, faulty. Now we're seeing a new word today, faulty. The Bible says God find fault. He found fault with it. What is the fault of the old covenant? I told you last week Sunday, a, a, a picture. The problem with the old covenant is that the, old, the law is holy. Never get this wrong. The law is perfect. Are you listening? The law is holy. The Ten Commandments is very perfect, very holy. But cannot make you perfect. Cannot make you holy. Cannot make you righteous. The law can tell you what to do and what not to do. But it cannot enable you to do the right thing. That's the problem with the law. So what type of law is that? The law, the purpose of the law was to bring you to the end of self and see your need for a savior. So if you are trying to balance the law, then you don't really know the law yet. This is the reason why Jesus Christ had a problem with the Pharisees. The Pharisees made the law capable when the law cannot be kept. For instance, one time they said, they came to you and said, Master, um, when, when, does a, when, does, when does somebody commit adultery? Because their mind is until you sleep with the person. Because the, the Old Testament says, thou shall not commit adultery. Are you following? So the way they interpreted it, they diluted it to the point that, okay, it's only when you sleep with the person, then you have committed adultery. Jesus said, if you look, you say, just look in the loom. You say, you have, both of you have the same punishment. That's what Jesus said. So think about it. How, how hard can that be? Just by looking. Someone said, but I just looked. I didn't do. God said, you are the same. That's the standard of the law of, of God. Just your thinking alone is sin. Your thinking. You are thinking you want to steal. You are not stolen. You just the thinking is sin. And the person that thought and the person that did are the same class. That's God's standard of sin. In God's standard of sin, there's nothing like big sin, small sin, minute sin, micro sin, nano sin. Nothing like that with God. <laughs> Hallelujah. Sin is what? Is sin. And the Bible says the wages of sin is what? Is death. That's what the Bible says. So that's, the, that's God. And look at James said that if you offend in one, you offend in how many? In all. How hard can that be? In fact, the Lord tells you when you want to use the toilet, you have to face the west. I know of you want to when you want to do it, you say, Am I in the north, south, east, or west? <laughs> or you use compass. You check where's north, where's west. Okay, as if I build this toilet, ensure it's facing the west position. That's what the Lord tells you. The Lord tells you you cannot wear silk and cotton on the same foot at the same time. Do that to sin. The Lord tells you you cannot shave your beards if you're a man. Yeah. The Lord tells you, you can't shave your beards. You must leave the beard. That's why you see them in the Old Testament. They have long beards. You, know, you can't you have to shave the beards. That's what the Bible says. Don't shave the beards. Today, if you don't shave beards, you say you're irresponsible. But I'm telling you the standard of the law. You are not allowed to touch your beards. I'm telling you the external ones now. You know, the ones who know is don't steal, don't kid. I'm telling you the one that God says is also sin. And there are many, much more. In fact, the Lord tells you don't eat pork. Don't eat pork. You eat pork, is sin. 
eating, just eating nice, nice juicy meat. That's a sin. Hallelujah. Next verse, verse 9. It is not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the days when I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt because they did not continue in my covenant and I disregarded them, said the Lord. God disregarded the children of Israel because they could not continue in his covenant. They could not keep the covenant. They could not keep the law. The Bible says God disregarded them. Verse 10. I like this one. He says, for this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. After those days, said the Lord, I will put my laws in their minds and write them on their hearts. And I will be their God and they shall be my people. Next, 11. None of them shall teach his neighbor and none his brother, saying, know the Lord. For all shall know me from the least of them to the greatest of them. God is telling you that in our dispensation, Everyone will come to the knowledge of Jesus Christ. They will know the Lord for themselves. Hallelujah. He says, from the least and from the child to the greatest, they will all know the Lord. Verse 12. Verse 12. He says, for, oh, read this one, one to go. One to go. Stop. Read again, one to go. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Some of you are not reading. Let me read again, one to go. Uh-huh. 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 What's the meaning of I will remember no more? Huh? I'll forget. Any other person? Forgive and forget. That means, that means the way I will treat your sin is as though you never committed it. That is what we have today. God says, I'll be merciful to their own righteousness. This is the focal point of the new covenant. He says, their sins, their lawless deeds, I will. God is the one talking now. I will remember no more. So if God does not remember your sin, when why are you remembering it? So you see that most of the time, people have not forgiven themselves of the thing that they did in the past. They are still holding on. They say, ah, I did this before. Ah, no, I, me? I can't, God cannot use somebody like me. Because you have not remembered that God does not remember your sin anymore. Why are you remembering your own sin? It's time to forget it too and move on. Hallelujah. That's the reason why Paul, I'll show you maybe one time, maybe next week I'll show you. That's the reason why Paul could boldly say that I've offended no man, I've killed no man, I've hurt no man, I've defrauded no man. And when you look at history, it's a lie. But remember, God remembers his sins no more. The man that sold the covenant. So when God treats you, he treats you as though you never did it. So in God's record, it's not there. You may be holding on to it, but in God's record, it's not there. This is the focal point of the new covenant. That God is merciful to your unrighteousness and your sins and your lawless deeds. I remember no more. Now, hold on, hold on. God did this, but by a big price. He had to pay the price to be able to say this type of statement. Because it's a strong statement to say. Praise God. Let me show you what God did. Next verse. 13. It says, in that it says, a new covenant... Oh boy, he has made the first obsolete. What's the meaning of obsolete? Out of date. The old covenant is out of date, the Bible says. Now, now, what is becoming obsolete and growing old is ready to vanish away. That means it has decayed. 
It has gone old. It's ready to vanish. Jesus, remember Jesus said that I did not come to abolish the law. He says, but I came to fulfill it. But hold on. This is the part many don't know. Jesus actually fulfilled the law. After he fulfilled the law, he abolished it. Because the Bible says the old covenant is obsolete. It's growing old and it's ready to vanish. So when you are holding on to the old covenant, you don't yet know that we have a new covenant. So you have to let go of the old. Let go of the old. Let go of the obsolete. Let go of what is about to vanish and focus on the new one. Praise God. And what's the new covenant? It says, I will be merciful to their unrighteousness, their sins, and their lawless deeds. I will remember no more. Hallelujah. Verse 14. 14. Then indeed, even the first covenant had ordinances of divine service and the, the earthly sanctuary is telling you that the, the first covenant had a physical, like a church, like a physical sanctuary. And it had divine services. That means in that sanctuary, they were doing what is called divine services. Next verse. Now we're in chapter 9, verse 2 now. It says, for a tabernacle was prepared, the first part in which was the lampstand. Now it's telling you about the old tabernacle. Follow it very carefully. The old tabernacle had three parts. So it's like, imagine this building now. We divide it between three parts. That means this door to the entrance, we divide it to one part. Then this part is second part. Then from here, it's third part. Now the first part, the Bible says that it had the lampstand, the table, the showbread. It's called the sanctuary. That means everybody can enter that first part. Are you following? Now next, verse 2 and verse 3. It says, and behind the second veil, so there was a veil. So this second part where you're sitting now, right? The Bible says it's called the holiest of all. That means not anybody can enter this place. Only the high priest can enter this place to do his daily sacrifices to God. He said, which had the golden silver, the ark of God overlaid. Um, okay, no. Go back. This one is the holiest of holies now. Go back. Go back to verse 3. Behind the second veil. Okay, so now he's talking about this place. This is the holiest of holies. Are you following? Now, the first part is called the holy place. The second part is called the inner court. Then the third part is called the holiest of all. Nobody is allowed to enter this place. That place is always empty. I'm telling you, throughout the week, it's empty. Nobody goes there. Now, what is in that holiest place? Verse 4. Look at what's in that holiest place. The golden silver. How is that picture? I'll show you the pictures. Maybe next time we come back to this, I'll show you the pictures. And the Ark of the Covenant overlaid on all sides with gold. The Ark of the Covenant was made of gold, not gold-plated, gold. In which were the gold pots that had the manna. Imagine, the, you remember the manna came from heaven? The manna did not expire. That manna was in the Holy of Holies. It did not, it did not, um, no malt, no, um, what, what's all those things that fell on bread? Fungi, no fungi. This bread did not need fridge. It's bread that came from heaven. Hallelujah. And Aaron's rod that budded. Remember Aaron's rod that budded? Remember one time, some people were trying to show who is really high priest. So uh, Moses said, bring your stick, bring your rod. You two bring your rod. Dry stick. He put it in the Ark of the Covenant. And Moses said the next day, that's what happens. The Bible says, Aaron's rod became wet and started to grow. Imagine, no roots. The other rods were the same. They dried up. That Aaron's rod that budded was also in the Ark of the Covenant. And the tablet of the covenant. Remember, this was the second one because the first time when God gave Moses the, 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 the tablet, <laughs> I was thinking of 
the tablet now. When God gave Moses the tablet, he scattered it on the floor because of anger. So he had to write a new one. It's this new one that was now part of the tabernacle, um, the Ark of the Covenant, was inside it too. Now next, verse 5. And above it were the cherubim of glory overshadowing the mercy. That means there, were, there, were, there was also a design of like angels, cherubim. They were they're like, like, they're, they're like this on both sides. Both sides, they're like this. And the Bible says that they were overshadowing the mercy seat. It says, of these things, we cannot now speak in detail because this is actually a big stuff. There's so much revelation in this Ark of Covenant alone. And we can't talk about it today. Verse 6. Hallelujah. Now, this is your Bible, by the way. So, read it. It says, now, when these things had been thus prepared, the priest always went into the first part of the tabernacle, performing the services. That means in the first part, the, the priest, they will go in there, they do sacrifices, they do all manners of things, they do all their divine services in the first part of, of, the, of the tabernacle. Next, verse 7. But in the second part, now listen to this very carefully. In the second part, the high priest went alone once a year. This holies of holies, the high priest only goes in once a year. Go back. I'm not done reading that verse. Once a year. Now listen, when he goes there, what is he going to do? He says, not without blood, which he offered for himself. That means even the high priest needs blood for his own sin. And for the people's sin committed in ignorance. Hey, have you heard people say things like, let me my glasses now. Have you heard people say things like, oh father, forgive me for knowingly and unknowingly sin. Have you heard somebody that before? You heard that before? When it comes to God, there's nothing like unknowingly sin. I hear what I'm telling you. You'll be punished for the sin committed in ignorance. Are you seeing that? Someone say, I don't know it is wrong. That's not God's business. That I don't know it's wrong. That's the standard of the law. So even the high priest had to offer sacrifices for the people's sin, both the ones committed in reality and the ones in ignorance. He had to, animals had to die. And when the high priest is going to the holies of holies, they tie a bear on his leg. Because if it comes, if they don't hear that bear ringing, the guy is gone. And once he's gone, it means that that one year is suffering here. That means that year, no smiling with God throughout that year. <laughs> but the year that God accepted sacrifices, oh boy, that year, imagine, that one sacrifice will cover them for the whole year. All their sins covered for one year. Hallelujah. This is the old covenant. Let's continue. Verse 8. <laughs> Verse 8, let's go. He said, the Holy Spirit indicating this, that the way into the holiest, holiest of all was not yet made manifest while the first tabernacle was still standing. Next. Verse 9. It was symbolic for the present time in, both, in which both gifts and sacrifices are offered which cannot make him who performed the service perfect in regard to the conscience. So that means what is called sin consciousness. Sin consciousness. God does not want you to have sin consciousness. It's a terrible thing. One of the things that the old covenant does is that it puts this sin inside your system. Every time you are thinking, I might doing something wrong. Oh, I don't do something wrong. Oh, uh, I don't want to fall. It's sin consciousness. 
God does not like it. Verse 10. Hebrews 9.10. He says, Concerned only of food and drinks, various washings and fleshly ordinances imposed until the time of reformation. Next. But, oh boy. He says, But Christ came as high priest of the good things to come with the greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands. That is not of this creation. Jesus' tabernacle is not made with human hands. Hallelujah. Verse 12, verse 12. Let's move on. It says, not with the blood of bulls and, and cows, but with his own blood. I told you in Hebrews 8, verse 12 that we read, Bible says that I'll be unmerciful to their unrighteousness. It says, and their sins and their lawless deeds I remember no more. He did it with this price. God had to pay a price. Now, what's the price? That price was not with the blood of goats and cows, but with his own blood. He entered the most holy place once for all. Tell somebody once for all. Tell somebody once for all. You haven't got it yet. With the blood of goats and cows, the high priest has to do it yearly. That means as we're about to enter 2021, he will have done it December 31st. The high priest will have done it. As we're about to finish December, he will do it again. Are you following? But Jesus' own, his own blood, Bible says he entered the most holy place. That means this inner place, the holies of holies. Bible says once for all. And what did he obtain? Read, one to go. Having obtained what? Having obtained what? Remember, I showed you from Hebrews 5 that we have eternal salvation. Now, he's telling us that we have eternal redemption. What is redemption? What's redemption? Redemption is radiance. It's similar to what is called radiance. I'll explain what redemption is. What, what, what's redemption? Redemption, when, when I say I redeemed you, like imagine somebody committed an offense. Are you following? And when he committed this offense, I went to go and settle the matter. And I paid the price for him to be released from that place. Are you following? Now, I have redeemed him. But here's the powerful thing about redemption. Redemption is that what you are supposed to be punished for, you are not punished for it. And then in, God, in God's record, is God now deals with you as though you never did it. That is what redemption is. And the redemption that we have is eternal. Why? Because of the blood of Jesus. Because of the blood that paid it. The blood that bought the price. The blood of Jesus Christ was not made with the hands of man. His blood was from God. Can you say amen? And his blood is eternal blood. So whatever his blood pays for has to be eternal. So our redemption is based on his blood. Not your behavior. Not your thinking. Not your lifestyle. Is based on his blood. And he's not use the blood of bulls and goats and animals and cows. He uses his own blood. Hallelujah. Tell somebody, Jesus' blood has value. <laughs> he has some value. His, his blood was able to buy us eternal redemption. Hallelujah. Say that I'm redeemed. In fact, that's wrong. Hello, my mic working? That's even wrong because we are more than re being redeemed. Can I explain? <laughs> Courage come, confidence come. I need to explain this so that you get it. You know, one time, stand here first. One time, 
um, um, well, there, was, there was one man, he was reading the Bible. He now said, yeah, now I know who Paul's father is in the scripture. Do you know who Paul's father is? Do you know who Paul's father is? Yes or no answer now. You don't know, yeah? He said, I know who Paul's father is. And they asked him, he said, how do you know Paul's father? You know what the guy said? He said that Paul said that my old man was, my old man is dead with Christ. He said, that man on the cross when Jesus died was the old man. So that old man at the side of Jesus Christ is, is Jesus' father. Because some people call their father my old man. <laughs> Not realizing that Paul was talking about something totally different. I love to interpret their Bible. Just say, ah, my old man was dead with Christ. Wow. So the old my old man died with Christ. My old man. So my father died. <laughs> now, before now come here. Now listen to this very carefully. This is the old man. Come here. Okay, this is the old man. This is the new man. Now, before you were born again, right? This is your old man. Are you listening? Look at this very carefully. I'm going to now I'll blow your mind. This is your old man. Hmm? Now, this old man was already sanctioned to death. Not because of something he did wrong, but because of Adam's offense. So whatever he does is going to hell. Nothing he's going to do. If you like, let him give his body to die. He's going to hell. Nothing can do about it. Are you following? Because he cannot pay with his own blood the punishment of sin. He cannot do it. His own blood has no value. That's this old man. So this old man was already programmed to death. I mean eternal death. Not just physical death, eternal death. So what did Jesus do? Jesus found the problem. The law cannot do anything about this guy, this old man. He can't clean his sin, can't do nothing. So what did Jesus do? Jesus came to buy this man with his own blood. Are you following he bought this man with his own blood, redeemed this man from the, from, from the punishment of sin, and after he did it, this man died, and he gave birth to a new man that had no need for redemption because he's a new man in Christ. Hmm. So this man was giving birth to. This is the reason why there's a difference between forgiveness and justification. God can forgive you your sin, but doesn't mean that you are made righteous. Because the man that can be made righteous is the man that is born again. So you can believe in Jesus, the Bible says, and you are made righteous. It says, but with confession, it says the man is moved on to salvation. Are you seeing that? There are men that believe in Jesus, their sins are forgiven, but they are not saved. So the moment you accept his lordship, then God gives birth to you, and then you are a new man. That's why he said, I have a new man. He said, I have a new man in Christ. I'm a new man in Christ. Remember, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, it says that, open up the scripture, 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Let me show you. I need to explain so you'll get it very well. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Anybody have it on his Bible? I don't want to quote it. I want you to see it. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature, right? Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now, it says, if any man be in what? He's a what? He's a what? If he's a new creature, then he cannot be this creature. He's a new creature. Why? He says, old things are passed. That this, this old man is an old thing. He's passed away. He says, now, all things 
are new. This is a brand new man that's born. Now, this man that is born is a product of this man. That means this new man is a fruit of redemption. Hello, somebody. Are you following what I'm saying? So we are the fruit of redemption. We are the fruit of his price. We are the product of his death. We are the product of his burial. We are the product of his resurrection. Hallelujah. Thank you very much. You can sit down. Say I'm the fruit of redemption. Go back to Hebrews chapter 9. Let's finish that one. I still have some time. Hebrews chapter 9. So where I stopped, verse 12, right? Hebrews 9 verse 12. Hebrews 9, 12. Let's continue. Now, I read verse 12. It says, not with the blood of goats and calves, but with his own blood, he entered the most holy place once for all, having obtained eternal redemption. Verse 13. It says, for if the blood of bulls and goats and of Alpha and, uh, and the ashes of Alpha, sprinkling the unclean, sanctifies for the purifying of the flesh. 14. It says, how much more? Shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God. Verse, verse 14. Is that 14? It is 14. Okay, yeah. It says, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit. You see, the spirit is also eternal. Offered himself without spot to God. It says, cleanse your conscience from dead works. To serve the living God. Can you say amen? Next verse. And for this reason, he is the mediator of the new covenant. By means of death, for the redemption of the transgression under the first covenant, that those who are called may receive the promise of the eternal inheritance. Hallelujah. Does somebody have eternal inheritance? You know, some people can hear something and lose it tomorrow. I have eternal inheritance. I do, I do, I do. I have eternal salvation. I have eternal redemption. I have eternal inheritance. Can you say amen? Verse, next verse. Is this the last verse? Okay. Now read one to go. Hold on. How many of you can read? Read, can read, right? Let's read with power. One to go, read. Uh-huh. How many of you, how many of you have your father alive? Let me see your hand. Okay, how many of you have your father gone? Okay, now, how many of you, those of you that your father alive, how many of you your father has a will? You know your father has a will, a testament. How many of you, you are laughing. <laughs> Anybody? Those of you that your father is alive, you know your, you know your father has a will. Raise your hand, let me see. You don't know. You know. You know. How do you know? How do you know for that as a will? 
He just <laughs> who has raised that I knows. So the rest of you that fight and I don't know if I ask you. I hope you'll not be like that too when you become fathers. Now, the Bible says that when a man has a will, right? For that will to become active, it is necessary that the man dies. The will writer has to die before his will can be read. For instance, your father cannot be alive and he says, children gather, let's read my will before I die. No. The will usually is read after he's dead. Then you see the lawyer or whoever will come to the house and say, everybody gather. I'm sharing this view with property. I'm giving you this house. You, I'm giving you nothing. That's how they used to do the sharing. And some of you are watching movies. So you know what I'm talking about. He says, for where is the testament, there must also of necessity be the death of the testator. That means the person that is the testator has to die. 17. For a testament is enforced after men are dead. A man's will become active, become stronger, becomes in operation after the man is dead. Since it has no power at all, while the testator lives. So when the, your father is alive, his will does not have any power. His will cannot be in operation. It cannot be put on motion. It cannot be put on force. Why? Because he's alive. Until he's dead, then his will can become active. 18. Therefore, not even the first covenant was dedicated without blood. The, law, the covenant that Moses, that God had with children of Israel, had to be with blood. Have you heard somebody say, I have a covenant with God? Yes, Moses said, Where is the blood you used to cut the covenant with God? I told you when we started a series, we are not in covenant with God. We are the fruits of the covenant. Remember, I showed you that with um, Henry and these guys, right? So we are the product of the covenant. Jesus gave his own blood and cut the covenant and he gave birth to us. So, the first covenant, Bible says, was dedicated not without blood. 19. 19. For when Moses had spoken every precept to all the people according to the law, he took the blood of calves and goats and water and um, scarlet wool, his cord, and sprinkled both the book itself and all the people. So he took blood and sprinkled on the, the, the Ten Commandments and also everybody had the sprinkling of blood. <laughs> That's interesting. If we try that one today, you see, I'm doing court. 20. Jeff saying, this is the blood of the new covenant which God has commanded you. 21. Then likewise, he sprinkled the blood, both the tabernacle and all the vessels of the ministry. Just imagine I carry blood now. Sprinkle on speaker, sprinkle on keyboard, everywhere, all the chairs. <laughs> That's what Moses did. He sprinkled blood, blood, the blood of cows and goats. He carried and sprinkled everywhere. 22. That's why you see all these guys that are doing this, they let it from us in the scripture. Can you say amen? The devil always copies what God has done. I'm telling you, it's just that his own is for evil, evil um, nature. But God was the originator, was the one that came up with the idea. 22. And according to the law, almost all the things are purified with blood. Why? Read it in the last verse. Why? Read it. Come on, read it. Want to go? There's no remission. That means there's no forgiveness. God cannot forgive you without the shedding of blood. That's the reason why in the old covenant you can't say, God, I'm sorry for lying yesterday. God, I'm sorry for sinning yesterday. It does not work. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission. 
there's no removal of sin. There's no forgiveness of sin. Blood has to be involved before a man's sin can be forgiven. Therefore, it, is, it was necessary that the copies of the things in the heaven should be purified with these. But the heavenly things themselves, which with better sacrifices than this, Jesus' sacrifice is better. Tell somebody, Jesus' sacrifice is better. His priesthood is better. Verse 24. For Christ has not entered the holy place made with hands, which are copies of the truth, but into heaven itself. Jesus Christ did not enter the holiest of holies like the priest would do. He, he went to heaven, directly in heaven. The Bible says he went to heaven itself now to appear in the presence of God for us. What? Which, which one is better? To go to the, to, to, to the tabernacle or to go to heaven? Which one is better? Jesus went to heaven directly. 25. <laughs> not that he should offer himself often as the priest enters the most holy place every year with blood for another. 26. Then he would have had to suffer often since the foundation of the world. But now, once at the end of the age, he has appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. The high priest used to carry the blood of another animal. Jesus offered himself. And the Bible says he has put away sin forever. Can you say amen? Tell somebody, the sin problem has been dealt with. You know, in the old covenant, the Bible says that sin separates us from God. Not in the new. Because God has dealt with the problem of sin. And the problem of sin was dealt in the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. 27. And as it is appointed for men to die once, after this, the judgment. Uh-huh. 28. So Christ was offered once to bear the sins of many. To those who are eagerly wait for him, he will appear a second time. Apart from sin for salvation. Can you say amen? Jesus is coming back again. But when he comes to appear to us, he's not coming from sin. He's coming for salvation. He's coming to take us back home. Praise God. Remember, the first coming of Jesus Christ was to do this main thing. To remove sin. That's the reason why. That's one of the major reasons he came. To remove sin. Because sin was a problem. Sin could not make God to interact with man because of Adam's sin. Jesus came to solve the problem. Now, he has solved it. When he's coming back, he's coming for salvation. Hallelujah. Next verse. We're done? Hallelujah. We'll continue this next Sunday. Hallelujah. Praise God forevermore. Hallelujah. Stand to your feet. Let's pray. Glory to God. Jesus has a better sacrifice. Jesus has a better priesthood. Jesus is greater than the law of Moses. Hallelujah. Man, Open your mouth and bless God. Thank Him for His word. Thank Him for what you have received this morning. Appreciate Him with your mouth. Appreciate Him with your voice. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Father, thank you because you have beautified our lives with your word. Thank you because you have made our lives more glorious in the name of the Lord Jesus. Praise God forever. Hallelujah. 
If you have your tithes, can you come forward?